0: I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but at the same time, so incredibly difficult to do. But once I started doing that, I, I found that everything
1: was kind of following into place. Let go, let go. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another R Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. We got Matt Cermak with me. What's up, Evan? It's good to be back. We're buzzing. We are buzzing. We just had one of our favorite formats a mental game roundtable with a listener just like you. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but first, in case you guys are new, welcome aboard. We help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental game with anyone from a PJ Tour pro to a golfer like you and me. And that's what today is all about. We've got Doug on the show, a loyal listener, has been listening to us for about a year, DM'd us, said he went from a 14 to an eight in less than six months. And now he just won his first tournament. We brought him on to unpack the simple things that he does and the things he doesn't do anymore. Yeah. That's helping him reach fast success on the golf course. I love providing this show as a place to bring listeners on. I just love having that connection and making it more of a two-way street, right? Bringing people on, telling their stories, everyday people like you and me, I think that's what this show is all about.
2: Yeah, I think when people sometimes come to us and ask, "Hey, where should I start with episodes?" You know, it's always good to kind of turn them to one of our uh, bigger, more famous guests. But it's I'm also turning them to somebody they don't know, right? And and that is the mental game roundtable with the normal, aspiring, average golfer like you and me. that's happens to be in Vermont in this case, right? Or, yeah, I love how we go coast to coast always with our guests or international. So. No, I mean this was this was incredible. I mean, Ev, I mean, we talk about you know, I mentioned Luke Stagner, like that 15. How does that 15 get to the 12 to the single digit? It's the great jump in golf, right? You go from being that classic average golfer to that good golfer. And we yep. really unpacked this today with with Doug. And you know, you know me, we got into some pre-shot routine talk. Guys definitely gotta stay to the end, especially pre developing and practicing a pre-shot routine when you're under the gun in a match. And that what what Doug was, uh, was, was dealing with. And that was so cool. But, you know, he talks a lot about handling his emotions, right. And reflecting and being aware. And you really, I know you really connected on a lot of that stuff. So it's a really, really powerful conversation. I think you guys can take a ton from. It.
1: Yeah. And look like he, he talked about having a lot of self-sabotage and negative self-talk before and made some simple changes and, and is having huge impacts on his game. I think You know, I want you guys to stick with this interview, too, because we start and give some context, right? We got to learn about him a little bit as a golfer and where he came from and and how he got to where he is today. Um, I think it really picks up once we start talking about the match and him winning. Um, Just wait until you hear the drama that happens down the stretch of this match play tournament that he won. I think he's going to unlock a lot of tools that you guys can you put in your toolbox? So,
2: and, and it's 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 a matter of actually doing them, right? You you think it's they don't work? It's, it's foo foo. It's like you said, having running through a meadow, trying to manage your emotions or thinking about nature, guys. You just gotta, you really gotta do this stuff. You really you know, appreciate shot routines enough. So, we're uh, this this episode will push you because you go from a fourteen to an eight. You know,
1: it's pretty eye-opening. The, the tools that he
2: took, that he's taken from the show and from. From us, so to speak, um, they're working. So
1: it's really cool. Yeah, it's awesome feeling to see this and and have him on. So thank you to Doug. And thank you guys. If you like this conversation, do us a solid and um, throw us a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Hop aboard the email list at thepartrain.com. Send a a mental nugget insight or thought every Monday for free. And you also get um, access to our merchandise drops before anyone else. YouTube's a thing now. Check us out it's on YouTube at the Part Train, thing. and um, I'm actually so you guys know I'm going to Birmingham. I think the week this is going to come out, I will be in Birmingham. I'm shooting a video series with Brett McCabe to help golfers get off the struggle bus. So I'm going to go Evan. out on the course with Brett. I'm going to Evan dig into some of my own south.
2: challenges. Evan goes to the deep south to find his game.
1: I love true. <laughs> I am going. I'm basically having my Legend of Bagger Vance moment and uh, i'm gonna come out a better changed man so i can't wait to share that video with you guys soon and what do they got to do sir no matter if they're a 14 or an 8 right now and negative self-talk self-sabotage doubt fear what do they got to do just enjoy the ride Enjoy the ride guys take care thanks guys doug brusso welcome aboard the train my friend sounds like a loyal listener but now you're aboard the train how's it feel
0: yeah, this is this is crazy. It's it's really surreal. I, mean, I wouldn't lie to you if I say I wasn't nervous here. Like, <laughs>
1: you know listening what? To the
0: podcast for for this long. Yeah, it's crazy. Do <laughs> we sound the same? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was. Okay, you know, good. I checked you guys out on Instagram to see, like, you know, I've, I've heard the voice for forever. Like, let's see, you know, yeah. But well,
1: yeah, luckily we both
2: nerve-wracking than the first tee shot, Doug. Right? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this has got to be a little easier than that. Right. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Well, unfortunately for you, Doug, we have faces for radio. So hopefully the video doesn't throw you off, but (laughs) we are excited, very excited to have you on board because as we were talking off air, this is some of our favorite episodes, our mental game roundtables with not just an everyday person, but a listener, someone that's listened to the show. We love presenting an opportunity to come on and help your game. But also, I think you're going to help a lot of people today, Doug. And I think your story is going to inspire a lot of people. Because guess what? Let's start with the big three. This is like a three-headed monster here, okay? Doug has accomplished, I think, what a lot of our listeners want to accomplish, which is you. for the longest time, Doug, you wanted to become a single-digit handicap. You accomplished that recently. You're a nine handicap. Correct me if it's gone down or up since then. But last I checked, you're about a nine index. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. Eight okay. now.
1: But uh, <laughs> Eight now. Oh. Okay. Like eight. Thank you for, that's why I asked. Thank you for correcting me. He's trending downwards, folks. Yeah. Eight handicap. He shot his lowest round, which is a plus four, not that long ago. And then you won an event, match play event. Yeah. Um, where, where you were giving shots, which by the way, is not as common as an eight handicap right? That's something that is very uncomfortable. That's kind of more in Surmax world. He's used to giving away shots. Someone like <laughs> you and me, we're used to getting shots. So there's a yeah. ton there. But before we get to it, let's give the folks a little bit of context around you as a golfer, how long you've been playing. And I know you found the show about a year ago. I think you told us you struggled with negative self-talk. Self sabotage a bit. But ever since listening to the show, it seems like you've gotten on track. So give people some context of where you started so that as we dig into some of the successes and the learnings, people can kind of relate to where you came from.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, Let's see. I I started playing late. I, uh, I was in the Marine Corps right out of high school, and I was so lucky enough to be stationed in Hawaii and uh i was poking around on base after i'd been there for a month or so and they had this amazing golf course i mean there was this like beautiful par 5 that was like parallel to the ocean just overlooking you know the most beautiful scenery you could ever imagine and you could hop on there for 6 bucks a round if you were an enlisted person wow. so i started playing out there and like Not i had bad. never golfed up before and i was just horrible right and um You know, so time goes on um, over the years. So what I've been playing for about 25 years now, um, not all that serious throughout the years. It hasn't been like the last probably six years or so where I really kind of committed to playing, you know, a certain number of times or as much as I could essentially. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I probably hovered around like, upper 20s the first few years. And then maybe the last two years, I started getting down to around 15. And, and I really kind of hit a, a sticking point there. I was, you know, just couldn't manage to to prevent doubles and triples and things like that. As far as, um, you know, kind of my composure on the course, I was just all over the place. Um, You know, I'd I, like go out for a round and start playing, shoot a little well, and then maybe, you know, have a few bad shots and you're like, oh, there, there's the beer cart. Like, yeah, let's let's go after that, you know, and, and just kind of try to have fun with it after. And, you know, that doesn't always go go as planned. You know, negative self-talk, you know, like kind of shouting out, you know, oh, I did this, I did that. And, you know, you suck and come on all, you know, all the typical stuff. So you know, I, at the time, I, I didn't think twice about it. I figured, well, oh, whatever, it's it can't can't harm that much, you know. It seems like I'm trying to hold myself accountable, but uh, yeah. So no course management, it just you know, let's let's hit driver on every hole and just kind of you know all over the place. Lots of anyway shots, like just kind of grab a club and walk over to the ball and just ah, oh, this is not the well, just you know, let's hit it anyways. So, a lot of that stuff kind of really hurt. And I think, you know, part of that I've, I've gotten a hold of recently. Um, and I, I think that does have a lot to do with where I'm at right now. So,
2: yeah, Doug, isn't it fascinating that when you are able to have positive thoughts, that creates a focused mindset and gets you into a course management mode? But when you have those negative, doubtful thoughts, you're way less focused on the course management and more focused about what not to do. Don't hit it left. Right. <laughs> you know, avoid, right. I was having this conversation yesterday. I was playing in a scramble. with him. I'd say he's probably about a 15, 16 handicap. It's amazing. Isn't it?
0: You know, it. it's funny you mentioned that. Cause it, it was on the, maybe a month ago or so. I think I was having like a challenging round and I was getting a little disappointed and I teed up on our fifth hole which is like 140 yards with a giant pond in front greens maybe 30 feet deep like it's you know hit or miss and uh and I stuck it really close and I'm walking towards the green and I just told myself that was a hell of a shot Doug. and like I reflected on it in a second I was like man that felt good to like (laughs) praise yourself and like and I couldn't believe the effect that it had on me afterwards. I was just like, you know I said, well, wow, I should do that more often, right
2: it's okay <laughs> so, to, It's okay to pat myself on the back a little bit yeah right?
0: yeah That's, if it, all you're telling yourself is negative, it's like it was, it was such a profound effect I was I was blown away.
1: It's um, such a great point because you don't realize how rare it actually is. It sounds cliche and it sounds a little woo-woo and silly when you hear. People talk about, you know, mirror talk and self-love and all of those terms where you're like, ugh, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but it actually is real. It's a real thing. And just so people know, you mentioned anyways, I just want to give people context. That's a concept from Dr. Joe Parent's book, Zen Golf, which I read when I was like 16. It was my first exposure to these concepts, which is like those moments where you're out in the fairway. You grab the wrong club once you get to, you realize you have the wrong club. And instead of running back to the cart, you say, I'll just hit it anyways. You're not committed. It goes the wrong distance. Or you just don't feel comfortable over the ball and you don't reset and you hit anyways. That's actually a great call out because there's so many people, especially 12s, 15s and up that make so many of those fixable mental errors just because they weren't committed you know, with what they were doing. Yeah. So I think that's good context to give. So you've been on this journey from a 15, you're taking the game more seriously. It sounds like it didn't take that long. How long ago were you a 15? Like a few years ago?
0: Well, I, you know, so Vermont, our golf season is uh, May to October. So, you <laughs> know, it's, it's a long winter of, of, you know, playing video games or going to the simulators indoors. I came into this year as like a fourteen, I think.
1: Wow! So this year, yeah. And now you're down to an eight.
0: I I learned this year, and I struggled for the first two months of the season to to just stop swinging so hard. I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but at the same time, so incredibly difficult to do. But once I started doing that, I've I found that everything was kind of falling into place. I would stop, you know, chunking or or topping, and and just kind of hitting nice quality shots. And you know, they're not always where they need to go, but you know, at least you're getting a good strike on
2: the ball. That's what all clubs do, not just the driver, Iron too. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, the driver, I still I struggle with as well. But um, that's I think that's mostly because my home course is uh like kind of an executive par three and four course, so it's really only two holes that I use the driver. Got it. When I go to a you know, a regular course, I'll say um, yeah, it's a bit fun because I, I never quite know where that driver is going to go.
1: <laughs> what, what did you have to let go of, I guess, mentally with swinging a little less hard? I
0: think there, there was one day I remember and, and I got done the round and I texted my buddy and I'm like, LFG, I'm like, my swing is back. And I was so excited. And I remember... Throughout that round, the one thing I was focusing on was staring at the ball so intently until I saw a club face hit it. And like I kept repeating that and repeating that. And it just and I was just boom, boom, greens, greens, greens. And I got done and I'm just like, man, what the? it's like, I didn't change anything with my swing, nothing at all. Like I, I did the same thing two days ago and I shot horribly, you know? Mm-hmm. And just just keeping my head down. Um you know, easier said than done. There are some days where I just can't seem to do that. Like, it seems like my my focus is is being pulled in different directions. It's sometimes hard to rein it in on one specific aspect.
2: Well, yeah. you can't keep your head down, right? You can't look at the ball until you hit it. If you're going fast, if you're fast going back. Yeah. It, it, right, because that's just going to create, create, you know, an imbalance in the transition and coming down. So it's like, that's like, how do we step back? And do mm-hmm. something that can promote the good tempo as opposed to forcing the smooth tempo i love that though it's great I, th- yeah.
1: I think it's it's good to know too like what works for you right because like some players not swinging hard can actually be feel uncommitted right and you don't release it enough but other people over swinging so you kind of have to know like, what are your keys? And that requires a certain level of awareness and curiosity. Like I know Neil from no laying up literally used to get made fun of by tour pros. Like how is your swing in these positions? And you're not a scratch golfer. And we had Lynn and Pia from vision 54 on who helped coach him and said that he literally got to a two handicap simply because he wasn't swinging as hard with the driver. Yeah. Um, and that's a tough thing with an ego, right? You want to send it. He's a long, long hitter, but, um, just keeping it in play more got him from like, I, I don't know, maybe a six to a two. So yeah. I think it's, it's a good call out to understand like what works for you and and go out there and test it.
0: Yeah. it has me wondering too, Is like, cause tempo can sometimes be an issue as well, but I, I wonder if, if by forcing me myself to, to watch the ball that I was somehow controlling my tempo as well,
1: mm.
2: I mean, Doug, this is so good for our listeners because that jump from a 15 to a 12 to an 8 where you are now is is so difficult. You know, we talking about prior guests. We've had Lou Stagner on a bunch, and you know, he talks about the real challenge for that 12 to 15 handicap is the penalty strokes off the tee. Right? It's those two to three holes around where you're losing a ball out of bounds or hitting it in the water or hitting it five feet in front, you know, or hitting it 100 yards in front of you. I mean that you've been able to you've been able to bring discipline into your t game and so elaborate on that a little bit more as we all kind of try to learn from some of your successes and how you'll continue to do it.
0: Yeah, you know one thing I I recently you know not not driver wise but like if, if you're on par three and that's mostly what I play um, is the middle of the green aiming at the middle of the green was something I had never done. I would would line up, I'm like, there's a pin. I'm going to pick my spot in front, right in line with the pin and let's go. And I started doing it about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, where I said, all right, I'm just going to start aiming at the center of the green. And it was uncomfortable, did not feel right. Like I'm looking at, you know, say I'm 130 out. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to aim quite middle because I'm fairly confident. I've got a little bit more accuracy than if I was like 180 or something but not aiming at the pin was, was, it felt really awkward, but I'm already seeing those, that kind of law of averages with the returns on that. Like it's most of the time I'm at least I'm safe and on the green versus, you know, in a bunker or off the side of a Hill, you know, putting me in a a worse position to try to get up and down.
1: Doug, I find that when we, I remember when I was a 15 plus, and when we've talked to 15 pluses and I've got friends in that area, I find that it's very common for them to feel very obsessive around their rounds, what happened in the rounds. They're more likely to tell me shot by shot details. They're really attached and excited to try and get it lowered. And I noticed that when I became a mid single digit, I didn't call Cermak and tell him that stuff anymore. Like, I, I didn't have as much um, attachment to my scores. Does that ring true to you? And is there anything else that feels starkly different with Doug today than even Doug six months ago? Like, <laughs> what, what think, pops out for you? Um, I think
0: the attachment to the scores is still there, and I don't, I don't know that that's ever going to go away. Just being an athlete growing up and being yeah. competitive – you know, I'm, I'm always going to want to improve. Um, I will say that some of the pressure is is not there anymore. Um, you know, I, I want to break eighty. I haven't broke eighty. You know, on a, on a par seventy two course, um, so that'd be nice to do. But I think the the scores are not so important anymore. It's it's more about how am I playing. Um, you know, even even if I'm not hitting all the greens and reg that I want, like as long as I'm striking the ball well, then I'm, I'm happy, right? If my putting is good, like I don't have to make everything. It's kind of more of a holistic picture. Like, did I go out and and I had fun? I may not have shot the score I wanted, but you know who cares? Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at with that right now.
2: Yeah, I mean to loop back and Ev, I know you can relate because you've got an executive course you play often too. Um, the Fixing the par three mindset is so important because par threes are the hardest holes on the golf course, right? If you have a five iron on a par five and you're laying up in the fairway, it's usually the easiest, freest swing you've ever made. But a five iron into 180 yard par three, I can't do that swing. I just made on the. but why can't I, right? I should be able to. It's because of what your relationship with the target is. And for you to say, I had this conversation with my buddy, Ryan, like, Par threes, you just got to think, fat part of the green, because we get obsessed with the little target, and then we end up hitting a really bad mess. So, yeah. I mean, the holistic look that you're taking into course management, situational awareness, will just can naturally lower scores and prevent the big blow up holes more often yeah. than not. I should say. So, I just find yeah. that I find that I find that awesome.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been more on the course management side really paying attention to like, all right, let's just get it to a hundred and, you know, then I get my full swing of the wedge. And that's something I, I never would have done before. I, I would have somehow told myself that, Hey, let's get, you know, 20, 30, 40 more yards out of it. And then, so you're like maybe 50, 60, that's an easier wedge shot. I'm like, oh, it's it's not. Um,
2: it's a harder, it's a harder approach and then a harder wedge shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. you just made your life easier with both shots. <laughs>
0: right.
1: It's funny how Doug is talking about like things that anyone can do. It sounds like he's just become a little more focused on what you're trying to do, which is so funny that, and by the way, we all get off track in this category and that's, what's so awesome about this game is it's, it doesn't matter if you've had 70 amazing shots in a row, You start thinking a little differently. It's normal to start thinking about the result. Um, But the funny thing is that, how crazy is it? This statement I'm about to say, we've never said this on the show. Isn't it crazy that it's hard to think about what you're trying to do before you do it versus being so wrapped up in what I've already done? what people might think, how I avoid what I just did, how I fix something like our brain is designed to close loops, right? That's why, it's why we Bing shows on Netflix with cliffhangers at the end. It's why we click on head headlines on, on Google or whatever. It's, they have an open loop and we have to find out what happens, but in golf, it's pretty rare for us to, for a 12 plus handicap to really be thinking through what they want to do and how they want to do it. Does that ring true to you, Doug? Do you feel like that's one of the biggest differences of how you got from a 15 to an eight is just thinking through what you're doing?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Like even, even down to the short game, like if, if I was 10 yards off short-sighted or something, I would have just kind of hit it and, and guessed that. All right. This is how hard I need to hit it. I'll just step up and hit it. But now I'm I'm more into the tune about, you know, where's the ball going to land? How far is it going to roll out? Like, you know, that sort of stuff. I I never would have paid attention to that before, or I hadn't been. I think some of that comes with like a little more confidence because I'm not so worried about, is the shot going to get there and get as far as I want it to? And now it, it frees me up to pay attention to the finer details.
1: That's a good point. Maybe there's a part of the 15 plus handicap, even the 12 or 10 plus handicap that doubts that they're good enough to think about what they're doing. They've had so much quote evidence of, I guess, let's put failure in quotes here, bad shots that they don't have enough belief into thinking that thinking through what they want to do gets them any closer to actually doing it. Right. So there's that disconnect. And maybe they don't believe in thinking through what they're doing.
2: Yeah, I agree. Doug, off the tee, do you feel like you have a a more of a go to shot these days? I'm always curious to ask, or let's say maybe the driver is not your friend that day. Do you have a club you can turn to, whether that's a hybrid or a three wood for that matter, to say, I know I can at least get this out there and give myself a chance on a day that just feels a little uncomfortable?
0: You know, it's it's funny. I, I went out yesterday and played. Um, Vermont Golf Association has these tournaments, or just single day tournaments. And I played one yesterday. Shot poorly, but uh, <laughs> it was a beautiful day. And uh, yeah, my driver was just not having it. So I, I put it in the bag after the third hole and, and turned it to the three wood. I usually have a nice little draw on that three wood. But usually, if 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 I need to stick it in the fairway, I'm going to hit my four iron. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I had a three, I would probably hit that instead. But yeah, nice easy smooth swing with a four iron. Get it out there like 210, you know, 220, depending on how I hit it. And that usually does the trick.
1: Well, let's talk about this match play. Okay, you're playing well. I believe you shot your lowest score ever <laughs> before the match play, right? Uh
0: no, during it actually. Oh, that was during. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: amazing. Okay. So yeah. you're going in under uh, the gun. you're giving you said 11 and seven shots
0: yeah you know it it ended up being like I think five total matches the first one was um I had to give the guy like four strokes that one wasn't too difficult but the next one I had to give her nine strokes um obviously um, she was playing off the forward tees so that was another kind of like oh boy you know But just going in thinking nine strokes, like I, and like you guys mentioned earlier, I was always getting strokes from people. So to have to, to give up nine strokes and on a par three course where like, so if they par, I have to shoot birdie just to tie. Like (laughs) that's just a lot of pressure. You're
2: on the other side of the barricade now.
1: (laughs) How's it feel? (laughs)
2: <laughs> i didn't yeah. sign up for You're like i didn't sign up for this
1: <laughs> right right hey you sure you want to be a single digit doug i'm sorry <laughs> you sure you want to be <laughs> yeah, a single yeah. digit now right <laughs> so so what you messaged us doug just to give people context was you you knew you had to quote play well right and that's that's a very relatable true belief and statement that we think leading into a tournament. We all want to play well in a tournament, right? Something that means something to us. So for you to know that going in, be giving shots for the first time, have the lowest handicap you've ever had and still play well, the scenario is set up to not play well because there's a ton of pressure. There's a a lot you're not used to. There could be a ton of expectations. You could identify now with a single-digit handicap, so not playing to that level could feel frustrating. You got to walk us through how you managed to stay present and and win. You won.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think going into each match, I knew I was I had a challenge against me beforehand. I, I tried, I tried not to stress about it in the days leading up. I tried not to think about it. It's just another round and leading up to the day of the match, trying to find things to kind of distract myself that seemed to help a lot. Uh, but once, once we got started in the round, I really tried to just focus on each shot. It sounds, you know, cliche, like you know I always say, but like stay in each shot, like what's the next shot, what's the next shot. So instead of like getting eager and looking ahead and, and being like, okay, you know, how many more holes do I have before I can, you know, be up on her enough where that it's over? Just shot by shot. That's that's really what did it for me. You know, there's other factors as well: staying calm, not over swinging, not trying to trying to do too much. I tried to go into it with the mindset of like, hey, this is just another round. Like I'm out here shooting with my boy. Um, we're out here having fun i played this course hundreds of times, like just go out and shoot. Um, What happens, happens. And, you know, just trying to relieve as as much of that pressure as I
2: could. I think that's great, you know, because the other part of this, Doug, and we're gonna dig into is not only have you figured, for me, one piece is course management, learning how to actually really play this game and think on the golf course, but also is how to deal with the bad shots and the bad holes, right? And listening to you talk there is like, hey, whatever happens, happens. I mean, I'm going to give it each shot, I'm going to treat each shot with a lot of purpose. But as we all know, there might be a bad one and another bad one and another bad one, but it's how you respond from that. And you talk to us, you message us about in the past, you struggle with just negative self talk, self sabotage. Talk us through, obviously, and this is a great example because you played so well. And it was a very daunting task to get a win with the, with the cards you were dealt with all the shots. So, so talk about how, you, how you've been managing yourself on the golf course, especially when things are maybe not going the best.
0: Obviously, every shot didn't go my way. And each round was a struggle, especially the last round. I, I rolled into that round and, and the, the gentleman I was playing just happened to be my son's middle school teacher. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure from my boys like Dad, You got to beat him. Come on. (laughs) So that that just kind of piled stuff on. And and I get there and he's got his son with him. Who's um, like a three handicap. And he's like, you know, a senior in high school and he's caddying for him. Oh, geez. I was like, really? (laughs) I was like, okay, maybe he's just carrying his bag, like his back hurts or something. And we get on the first green and he's reading greens with him. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, like come on, <laughs> yeah, right? So, all right, whatever, like, you know, do, do his thing. Um, but yeah, th- there were definitely times, you know, especially that last match, I think that's the really the only one that I felt the pressure on was, I was like, all right, hey, you're, you're finally in a spot where you, you could actually win, right? And strangely enough, it, it didn't kind of overwhelm me. Um, mm. I'm still not quite sure why, uh, to be honest with you. But, you know, like that that difficult hole I was talking about, The it's a par three, probably 160 yards, 30 foot deep green. Um, it kind of runs 45 degrees to the tee box, right? So depending on where it's at, it, it's longer. And, you know, you go short, you're in the water, you go long, you're into some pine trees. Um, and the green just slopes like crazy towards the water. Um, we're on the tee and, and don't I just chunk it. Poof right into the water and I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. And, and at that point, he he I was only one up. Uh, what hole is this? Uh the fifth hole.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, it was like I got one up on the second hole, and then we went all the way through to the fifth, and we are still I was still one up on him. And I put it in the water. I'm like, oh, you are kidding? So he tees off, he puts it a little long. I'm like, okay. I, was like, I can work with that, right. I go to the drop zone. I stick it to like 10 feet, probably. Um, he chips down, goes way past. I'm like, oh man, I may I may have a shot here, right? Somehow I sunk the putt, but he missed nice. it. So, you know, what turned into, a, I'm going to lose this hole, we ended up tying, you know? So I, I think that would, be, that would be a big difference. I think the old me would have immediately got frustrated and be like, oh, this hole's done. You know, I, I may have conceded or whatever, you know? But, sure. just just sticking with it and and shot, shot one shot at a time.
1: You know, this show is all about helping you enjoy the ride and get out of your own way. But that is assuming one thing that's assuming that we're on the golf course and that's assuming that we're even able to play. I think it's a really funny thing in our society these days that prevention and proactiveness isn't a thing. It's kind of, How do I fix a problem after it's happened? And we don't take enough care of ourselves to prevent the problem in the first place. So one thing that I think is a perfect example of this is our mobility and our stiffness in our bodies and injury, right? There's nothing worse than being injured, wishing you could go play golf and not being able to, or as you get older, not be able to play as long as you would like. So I'm going to follow the Tom Brady model and I'm going to work on my pliability and my flexibility proactively. And luckily, we've got the number one pliability app and flexibility app in the world on the program as a new partner. They're called Pliability. You download that app from the link, pliability.com slash partrain, and you enter your email on that link, download the app, and you'll get two weeks free. What I love is I'll go to the Explore tab, and I'll go to warmups, and there is an endless list of maybe hips warm up, lower back warm up, six minutes, right? You follow it just like a workout. They've got great videos and you get yourself warm before you go play golf, hit balls. It really should be a daily thing, five to 10 minutes every day, proactively work on your flexibility. I mean, let's be honest. If you're grunting when you go pick up the ball out of the hole or to go put a tee in the ground, that's a sign that you got to go get the Pliability app. So go to pliability.com slash partrain, enter your email, get two weeks free trial, explore the whole app, anything you want in there, and start being proactive with making your body feel better. All right, let's get back to the show. It is funny, Serm, how we've talked about this a lot, where staying in it and not believing that you're out of it it sounds so simple, but it's actually Tiger talked about how he fought for every shot. We Sermon and I, when we played in an event together in Arizona, it was so many times I would hit it in the desert. I mean, I lived in that desert. I even got stabbed by a cactus in that desert. Sermon says, well, you shouldn't have hit it in there the desert. Yeah, just in there. <laughs> and I made birdie from the desert like three times. And there was many times in member guests with our buddy, Ryan, I started to get a little down. I'm like, God, you know, I'm the one getting shots and I keep making bogeys or doubles. And I just want to, you know, contribute. You just want to contribute. You're a normal human being. But there's so many times though, Doug, that I would hit it into the trees or I would hit in the water and I would think I'm out of the hole. But looking back, there were so many times that, you just put it on, you give yourself a look, maybe make a bogey net par, and that helped the team. Right. Like, I, my mind immediately went to, well, I can't win the hole now, but you lose sight of giving up could lose you the hole.
2: Well, yeah. and, and, and that's great. I have dug. It's, you know, you hit that shot in the water, right? And it's like, you're, you know, you're kind of down about it, but then you're like, eh, I'll give it a drop to see what happens. Pressure's off. You know, and it's like no expectations. You stick it to 10 feet. And I'll give this putter roll and you nail it. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then you see like how you were feeling with the no expectations versus probably more expectations on the tee box. And F, right. same for you. And then it's like, how do I kind of take that feeling? And it's, it's hard, but bring that along with me to the next tee box, for example.
1: Well, I think what I'm hearing too, Doug, is you were, you're were you allowing the round to unfold and see where the chips fall, which is a very common phrase that every PGA Tour winner says in some form, right? Like, and and I yeah. want people to really understand this: for you to win a tournament in all of the scenarios and conditions that we outlined, giving shots, you're for the first time, you're playing well, your handicap's the lowest it's ever been. Match play is really difficult. To not get ahead of yourself and constantly be looking at results because it's your partner. Right. Because it's right in front of you.
2: Your playing competitor, I should say.
1: Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Your competitor, it's very easy. I mean, you were just kind of alluding to it. Well, maybe I do have a chance here. Right. And even though you were still thinking that way, I want to be clear you weren't really attached to it. Because imagine how much harder it would have been if you said, I have to get up and down to make bogey here to give myself a chance. Cause you went in the trees. Do you know how much harder and much more tension you would have had in your layup and how much harder a 10 footer would have looked to make. If you thought to yourself, I have to make this putt. Yeah. But instead you just put it on the green, found your line and you stroked it. Yeah. And it went
0: there, in so many so many times like that, it was, you know, thinking I, I wasn't going to win the hole and, you know, they missed the putt. And if I would have, you know, let that, oh, they they stuck it so close and here I am 15 feet out. If I let that bother me, you know, maybe I wouldn't have made the putt or or lagged perfectly for a little tap in, right? But just staying in it and not getting discouraged, um, most of the time it, it, it tends to go your way.
1: Did you feel like you almost had like a secret that the other people didn't, because I've, we've said this on the show. I've told people that I've coached, like sometimes there can be a little bit of a, um, a fun little confident swagger, knowing that everyone around you playing in this event is trying not to mess up. They're focused on the results. They're getting caught up in what they're playing competitors doing. They're getting frustrated after a bad one, but it seems like for you, the theme is really patience. And trust that you're just going to keep trying to play the whole of the best of your ability, and we'll see where the chips fall. That can have a lot of freedom. But did that almost feel good? Did you feel like you had something the other people didn't?
0: Yeah. Hey, you know, now that you say it, I think yes, for sure. Um, but yeah, all of that rings home. It and I see people that I play against who, who are doing all these things that they shouldn't. And, and I, I'm not that, you know, unsolicited swing advice guy or a mental coach. Right. But it's just, you know, you can see them doing it. You're just like, man, if, if he would only stop, you know, swearing at himself or, you know, <laughs> getting really down on it, it's like, yeah, it, it's hard to watch. Um, yeah. actually and it, it's funny. Cause I, my, my son who plays with me is 13 and I'm taking a lot of lessons I learned from you guys and transferring them right to him. Um, uh, already seeing improvements on that side, you know, imagine trying to manage your emotions as a 13 year old is (laughs) insane. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think I do now actually. Um,
1: so walk us through the end of that match.
2: Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Let's see. We were, we were tied. Actually, I was, we were tied up going, um, at the turn and, uh, there was like a probably 160-yard par three to a, a massive green that's kind of all sloped forward. Um I stuck it probably 20, 20-ish feet out. Um and he kind of uh he pushed his off to the right. Um so he chips on and he chipped super close, like almost tapping close. I'm like, oh man, there, there goes my shot, right? I'm like, well, let's let's see if I can make this putt. And it was a nasty bending putt, like, you know, one of those putts where you make maybe three out of ten. <laughs> and sure enough, I, I drained it for birdie. Um, and, you know, and that was that was great. I think that really kind of deflated him for a little bit there. Um, but uh, so then I got, you know, one up there. Um, the 11th hole was another really difficult hole it's kind of um, slopes off to the side so you have to basically fade it or or um, draw it in from one side or the other or else it usually rolls off Um, I stuck that one right on and we both kind of tapped in and went through even I never got more than two up on him, which was always in the back of my mouth. I had the scorecard, right? So I'm writing the scores down and I'm seeing like I'm, I'm keeping track, one up, one up, two up, you know. So I'm seeing the up and down. So I had that kind of emotional roller coaster with me because I'm I'm constantly looking at it. And I, I tried my best just to kind of be like, you know, it's all right. Um I think staying up helped because, you know, I was never behind. Um, so I, I didn't have that pressure. But uh
1: some but people might best... say it'd be more pressure leading.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. The The 15th green is probably one of the short, 15th hole, one of the shortest ones. It's like 110 yards, but it's just surrounded by bunkers. Um, and I plunked mine right on, probably 15 feet out. And he put his in the sand trap, which is a monster of a sand trap. Like I'm talking 10 feet deep. Like you're, you're taking a full swing out from the uh, 20 yards. But uh, yeah, um, I ended up parring that hole, taking him and, and being two up. And then the next hole, he got me on that one. Uh, I think I hit it a little, I hit it too far, uh, went off the back, left myself an impossible short-sighted downslope um, approach to it. Um, and then on the 17th, which was actually, th- this would be another one, um, so it's my tee box. I tee off. There's a bunch of pine trees that kind of line the right side. And don't I just block it right over the trees? And I'm just like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, this was my hole. I was, you know, where uh, I was two up at that point. Um, Is, that so that?
1: <laughs> Is that OB? What's
0: uh, that? Is that OB? Not out of bounds. No. Okay. Um, so luckily I, I could hit Um so he tees off and sure enough, he puts it right over with me. I mean, we we walk up to our balls and they're literally 10 feet apart, right? So both of us are having to to basically flop shot over like some 20 foot high pine trees. He he goes first, he gets his over, and I'm like, oh man, like, okay. That that was a lot of pressure for me because I couldn't, I couldn't bump and run it. There was a trap in the way. I had to flop it. That was my only, you know, option. And stepping up behind that shot, I was, I had the pressure of him being on the green. I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't leave this short, can't hit it long. Like I, I need to get closer to him than he is. Right. And sure enough, I hit this perfect shot that just clears the trap, hits the fringe, rolls and I'm like six feet out. It's like, yes. Right. That's great feeling. We're just yeah. watching
2: that kind of just trickle towards the hole. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, perfect had, Perfect distance.
0: <laughs> we had a group on 18 coming down and they all, they saw both of us cause we drove it like 20 yards short of their tee box. Right. Almost hit them. And yeah. So a bunch of them watching and stuff. It was kind of like a little, you know, flop shot contest, I think, but yeah, I put it close, just missed it tapped in. And I think he ended up three putting that hole. So got him on that and that was it. So I got him two, uh two and one.
1: So what were you thinking behind that tree? Because what I would guess, you only really had one option, right? You had to get it over that tree. It sounds like what we hear so often, sir. right? That commitment in the trees. You're talking through the, the mental chatter that you probably had because you're human, which is he put it on. This is the end of the match. I have to put it on, right? And those moments, usually when that mental chatter is going on, it's really easy for the result to not be good. What else was going through your head? What do you think helped you hit a good shot when you had to have it?
0: Well, you know, I think a part that I, I haven't mentioned either is that that you guys talk about all the time and thank you is the pre-shot routine. Yep. that's That's been another part that. that's got me down to the eight. I never used to have one on the tee box at all. I would step up and maybe I waggle twice, three, maybe I look at the hole a couple times. Now I'm consistent with it every single time, same thing. And I think that's really what, what helped with that flop. I was just like, all right, you've, you've done this, you know, hundreds of times. It doesn't matter that it's over a tree right now. It's it's the same shot, whether it's it's clear in front of me or not. Um, just stepped up, you know, did my routine and, and swung free. And whatever happens, happens. I think removing the expectations for me this year has helped and, and I, you know, I, I do get out. I, at least twice a week, if, if I can sneak out during the week, I can, but playing more golf has allowed me to be more able to accept the bad shots. Cause it's like, you know what, whatever. I'm, I'm going to play tomorrow. It's another day. It, it, this is not my annual outing where I'm like, hinging on, on playing perfectly.
2: Right. I love it. This is great. It's great, Doug. I mean, I love the recap too, taking the listeners through like under the gun in the match play, trying to win. But I think you just kind of said it. Like the two things we can rely on, I always think we can rely on, is our pre shot routine and letting go of what happens next. <laughs> right? Yeah. I know I, routine. Be, I know I can be the best at going into the shot if I have purpose and, I'm, and I just do what I do, have discipline. And then, Letting go, whether it's an amazing shot or a terrible shot, you're just you're on to the next, in a a healthy way. And I yeah, I think it's the great it's the the great challenge. But that's it. It
0: it's funny too because I've I've always known about this stuff, but for whatever reason I never tried it. I, I I'm not sure why. I don't know if I felt like oh that's just like hokey whatever you know. Sure. But when I actually started trying this stuff, I was like, wow, this, this works, you know, and I've been trying to, to get my boy to start trying this too. Like you need a pre-shot routine that, you know, that takes the pressure off your mind. Can't think about the bad stuff when you're focused on a, a process. Right. And, and it wasn't until I started trying it where it hit home and I was like, wow, this, this actually works. Yeah. You know, it's something I, I told Evan too, was that during that round, just walking around and like watching the trees, you know, watching the geese swim in the pond, like focusing on that stuff to take my mind off of, of the pressure um, for where I'm at, you know, what hole am, you know, coming up next, what do I need to do? All, all of that stuff helps.
2: Well, that, sure. I do love that, right? I mean, that's the, the, what those healthy in-between shot distractions.
1: Well, yeah. it's, so, it's so powerful, right? Cause I I realized as when I was going to my member guest every year, we talked about it on the show. Remember, sir, I I realized that the way that I looked at the golf course at the happy hour afterwards, when, you know, they've got the high tables out on a near the practice screen and you can see the first and eighteenth or ninth or whatever. I realized that the way I was looking at the golf course then was a 180 from how I looked at it that day. And during the day, it was oh man, you can't, you can't hit it there right this hole really got me last year i have to make sure i'm left this year and it's just so you can just feel the attachment right and um, the avoidance of mistakes because of past mistakes but when you take a second and realize like this is a beautiful hole like you feel the difference of that not even close it's entirely different. So for people to, that's the power of what you choose to think. Now, the other thing I want to say, Doug, that I think is important is sometimes I think, and maybe this is why you never did it before. Sometimes I think you hear something like a pre-shot routine and it just feels like something like an obligation, like a box to check, right? Like, am I going to have one waggle or two waggles? Am I going to do a practice swing? Am I going to stand behind it? Am I going to feel it when I'm over the ball? Like a lot of that stuff, I don't think is necessarily as important as the why behind what you're doing and what it's serving. So, like for me, if I know that the way I putt is so deliberate, where after I see that line I go and it feels like a fluid motion, maybe I need to build a, a routine that, because I feel like I've putted the best this year than I ever have that honors, clearly there's something there that helps me perform because it's more see it, hit it. So maybe that helps give me information to build in maybe a faster, more deliberate athletic routine, right? So I just reflected and that informs how a routine can help me play better based on past mistakes. I think if just talking about pre-shot routine just as a, a concept, Unless you're doing it to build in something that serves you, sometimes it can just seem kind of boring and something that you, quote, have to do. But it can actually be really exciting to, like, go out there and be like, all right, what do I want to – what will help me? Like, what do I want to change and why? You know? What do you think about yeah. that, sir
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, as Doug alluded to, too, is if, when you're focused on your routine and where you want to go and what kind of shot I want to hit, it's 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 subconsciously fighting off the the thought of can't hit it left hit it left on the last hole can't hit it left because we always talk about how you can't eliminate the negative thoughts but you can create practice and routine like a pre-shot routine that blocks them out Doug
0: yeah yeah I always felt like that was something that that good golfers did right like oh I'm I'm not that good I don't need to do that um I I don't know why but that's kind of where my head was at with
1: that. Yeah, it's funny how we think that we don't need to do it, but then isn't that the stuff that got those people so good? You know? (laughs) I mean,
2: don't we, I mean, all of us, the three of us here, everyone listen, we want to do every, we want to do every round we play, we want to do a better job of managing negative thoughts. That is just the bottom line, right? And a good pre-shot routine that's consistent is one way to do that. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And we push everybody develop and everybody's routines different. You know, is Doug, you know, Doug, I don't know if yours is what yours it is, but what you're saying is might be different than Evans. You're repeating it and it's familiar to you and it's something you can lean on, especially in pressure moments when you got to hit a flop shot over the trees to win the match. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So we're kind of at the end here before we close out, let's quickly cover a blow up hole because I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And you said off air, Doug, that that's still something that you haven't quite figured out, right? There always seems to be this, this one hole that either you get stuck in a trap or you hit it OB. Or I think what Cermak said right there is really important. What you've described up to this point, I think is a really great blueprint for anyone that wants to lower their handicap because you're not avoiding the bad stuff. You're giving yourself productive distraction. You're refocusing on stuff that helps you versus giving the fear and the negative self-talk and the judgment more power. You're basically quieting it, right? It's still there, but it's not as dominant. How can we take that same approach to this idea, this thought in there that might be louder than the rest that I just don't... I want to have a round where I don't have that quote blow up hole. What do you think's leading to that, Doug? What do you think based on everything we've talked about, what can we do differently around that?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Um I I think I may have uncovered part of what leads to that, and I think it comes down to not being patient when I think back to like and particularly when i'm shooting a good round like uh, i was just at bear's best in atlanta last week and i'm looking down at the scorecard and i was like you gotta be kidding me i'm plus two through nine holes it's like <laughs> what is happening right now got onto the 10th and it's a 180 yard um par three with you know, terrible trouble with water it, it, it's an, a nasty hole and don't and i just chunk it right in the water and i was like here it is. Here's the blow up hole. So I go to the drop zone, short, like land ten feet off the front of the green. I'm like, oh, are you, you're kidding me. So I go up, chip it. I don't leave it close enough for a tap in, right? So that I've got a longer putt. And it, <laughs> you know, so that I ended up um, with a triple on that. And I was like, are you kidding me? So just in one hole, I more than doubled what I was over coming into this hole. It's like, how does this happen? When I look back at that shot, I think I just got quick. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's my problem where. Which shot? The, the T tee shot. Tee shot. Yeah. You know, I, I think that the approach that I, I, I also dubbed, I think, um, was just out of frustration, perhaps, or you know, being, knowing that I, I had a good round going and, you know, I know one hole doesn't blow it up, but having a triple like that is like you know, a little discouraging. I think I just got too quick on the tee shot. And I, I think some of that is, is impatience on wanting to see that good result. Like I'm golfing well, like, all right, here it is. This is a beautiful hole. I'd love to stick this green and just get too quick. Like I. You got excited. Yeah.
1: But, but yeah, yeah, this is so, this is so big though, because you didn't think that's that nor- way. And that's
2: normal too. over at the turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got a hard yeah. shot. I mean, this is just everybody,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. But you it- got, you got excited. You got a little ahead of yourself, but look how important the reflection is though. Is think about how different this conclusion is, Doug, instead of, oh, I did it again. I was playing well. And I had that blow up hole which could lead to a a self-judgment feeling like a failure or like, I can't figure it out. There's no learning there. But then think about the learning of I got quick when I started to feel pressure. So the next time I feel pressure, a key for me is tempo. All I have Mm -hmm. to do is swing 80% here, go through my pre-shot routine. More times than not, I'm going to be okay. Right? So if we create a narrative around the blow up hole, but we're not getting curious of what led to the blow up, we're never going to get rid of the blow up because we're not actually fixing the root issue and the pattern. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think you're on something there.
1: <laughs> what do you think, sir?
2: Yeah, I think it's good to have it. For me, it's you're good. We're going to hit those shots. We're going to hit those shots in the water. It's how we respond because what's worked for me in the past is when I hit that shot in the water i say to myself, all right, I've got some damage here. How am I going to manage this damage? And what the next shot I hit has got to be a smart golf shot, right? So you go to that drop zone you're thinking, man, I really, really would like to get this close and give myself a chance for bogey. And and you left it 10 yards short or 10 feet short instead of, you know what, I need to cover this to the center of the green. You know what I mean? Because And then just give myself, you know, a, a chance for bogey, but double is probably what I'm going to make. It's a yeah. whole it's a whole different frame of thinking about trying to get the best score possible after a terrible shot as opposed to just hitting the smart golf shot.
1: Yeah. So, Doug, your job then changes to how do I, what club and angle, knowing my dispersion and my misses, give me the best chance to hit this green? And then I'll have a look at bogey. Versus yeah. I have to make bogey here could lead to... An overly aggressive shot, which then we all go into hero mode sometimes at the wrong time, right? We try and get something back, but instead we make the number bigger.
2: That's what we deal with. Yeah. But, the you know, that shot in the water is going to happen, right? It's just the blow holes come from, because if you do what we just talked about, or, or I or Evan, you know, you walk off that hole, you know what? I hit a solid wet shot to the center of the green, made a good putt. Yeah, maybe I missed it but okay. I just hit three good shots in a row as opposed to really forcing the issue and forcing yeah. And then you walk off, you walk off in that, that rage that we all feel, but, oh, I yeah. but, but yeah. So I wanted to share something. Go ahead.
0: Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I just, I, I think part of that for me was like, usually I can manage my frustration, you know, taken from Bob Rotella's, you know, your, your next shot, your best shot. Like I learned a lot from that one. And, uh, Usually I'll I'll try to distract by, you know, looking at scenery, stuff like that, and just enjoying being outdoors. Um, and, and that can kind of really helps me to ramp my frustration down. And that's another thing that sounds kind of hoity-toity, but it, it really works. it's not. It does work. Along with the self-praise stuff, like when you hit a good shot, like say it out loud to yourself. I I was blown away by what that did, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't think I did that on that hole because, like, here I am on vacation on like a really nice course, like the most gorgeous hole. I'm like, I just really wanted to put it on the green. So the letdown from that was just crushing. Like,
2: (laughs) right, it's the classic. I really wanted to put on the green, not focused on my routine.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. (laughs) And that's
2: how these. But I think the last thing.
1: Last thing I'll say on this term is. I think it's such a game changer when you start to accept bogey. So like, and it sounds like you hear that a lot, but let me actually, we've said this before in another episode, I'll say it again here. If I block a drive, right. Obviously it's different on a par three where you're trying to get up and down for bogey, right? Like that's kind of what you're trying to do anyways, but on a par five, let's say, and I hit it way, right. Let's say I hit it OB and now I'm dropping and I've got trees I've had so many times where I try and make par or I still try and run one up, put it next to the pin to give myself a chance at even at birdie sometimes after a poor shot over 80% of tour pros that hit in the trees make bogey. So just by trying to make par, your, your decision-making is inherently more aggressive and that's how you bring double and triple into play. So it also takes a level of discipline to accept bogey.
2: It's so hard to hit the smart safe shot after the bad shot because yeah. you feel like you're surrendering. But when you do hit that smart safe shot, boy, your stress level gets back to normal. Mm-hmm. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I love this, Doug, thank you so much for coming on board. I mean, you literally said so much good stuff here, yes, that I think a lot of golfers can use. And I think you validate a lot of stuff, things that might come off as cliches. Like you literally just noticing things, and you don't even have to really even believe that it's beautiful. It doesn't need to feel all foo foo. You're running through a meadow, you just <laughs> you just yeah. noticed nature. You go, oh, look at the. I haven't noticed that tree before. Look how it blows, and the leaves are. And look at these birds and these squirrels. And you could like create little stories in your head of what you notice and what you see. You did that, and you managed the pressure. Of giving away shots in five matches and being down the wire in the championship match, and you won with these tools, and you yeah. were 14 like six months ago. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's so amazing about it's, this. It's such stuff.
2: a powerful, it's a powerful story.
0: Yeah, it it, it does sound like kind of like the stuff wouldn't matter, but when you once you start doing it, it, it really clicks. You are like, man, I should have done this a long time. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. well, Doug, well, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Congrats on, on your success. And thank you. And continue to be. Yeah. And thanks for having me, guys. This has been this has been a great experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Love it, Doug. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for hopping aboard. I think this will help a lot of people. Take care.
0: All right, you too, guys. Bye.
1: Hey guys, this is Evan. Real quick, before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called the Train of Thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget, insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to the Train of Thought newsletter today. It's really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.